you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL Podcast. Yay, football! Maybe. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and Patrick Claybon. What is up, boys? Woo! What is going on? I mean, um, you know, big day. Trade deadline. That's it. nothing else. That's it. That's it. it. We were, um, yes, today, of course, we were recording... On the day of the general election for the United States of America, um, I I had been told during one of the game telecasts this week that Tuesday was a day off for the entire NFL company. But I have been working since 7 a.m. So that feels as if it needs to be modified to give a more thorough understanding of who is off and who is working. Mm. I still get emails from the New York office because I I took the job when I lived in New York for a year and worked out of that office once a week. And yeah, I do like getting on days like today. They're like, well, if you really knew, need to get into the building, they give you certain instructions and stuff. And I'm thinking these, these New York fat cats, they don't <laughs> well, know I mean, what so real work is like. At some point you made the decision to be, you know, a sports writer, someone who covers football as an adult um, and a blogger instead of like a corporate hack. And so corporate hacks get these days off. Mm. Uh, we remain steadfast in our duties. They, they can actually get in the building, all the corporate hacks out there. We have to, like, email six people and demonstrate an absolute need to get into the <laughs> building. And then, like, it's like, are you sure? Uh, we could have somebody rough rifle through your things and bring them to you in a plastic bag uh, via <laughs> FedEx in six weeks. It's like, no, I would, I would like to have, you know, my stapler or whatever it is. <laughs> NFL Films sent me something uh, on March 12th that – I believe is sitting on my desk and I'm about to pull like a uh, mission impossible Tom Cruise at the top of an Asian skyscraper move to get in there. 
Anyway. I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> you had beers on your desk too. I mean, like, why not? You know, oh, get yeah. those back too. Yeah. You had those beers oh, from those, Germany or so. Oh, those are gone. Yeah, I saw. Those. Oh, okay. No, 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 no more beers. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> anyway, yes, it's election day, and uh, we were, I would say, firmly reminded to uh, be civil and not not get too hardcore in sharing that realm of our personalities and opinions. Uh, but we hope that everyone has voted. And uh, I do remember four years ago when we did the show right after the election. That was an interesting show. Today's show is right on the eve of the election. And uh, yeah, there's some butterflies. Let's face it. This is going to be a wild night for this country. We're going to keep the focus on football right now. Patrick, how you doing, by the way? What's I'm, going on I'm, in the Claybon house tonight? I'm living the dream. You know, we, we have the, you know, the, the child who is... Uh, dealing with the runny nose, <laughs> which is <laughs> DEFCON 5 uh, here uh, in 2020. Uh, so he's hanging out with us. We'll, we'll go get the little one. And, uh, you know, we're uh, – honestly, we're okay. Uh, we, we just – we're watching the results for everybody else. We, we got a lot of we, – we got a lot of family uh, in, in Alabama. So we're, we're watching there, and, and we're good, you know, no matter what. We, we got each other. And uh, if everything goes down uh, – you know, we, we had a good run. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Um, the trade deadline just passed as we sat down to record today, Tuesday, and uh, a bit of a dud, you could say. Um, uh, you had, let's see, DeAndre Washington. Uh, the Dolphins acquired that running back from the Chiefs. You had another trade involving the Dolphins. The Patriots acquired wide receiver Isaiah Ford from the Dolphins in exchange for a 2022 seventh-round pick. Uh, there were a couple other trades we could kind of dig into. That's that. Those were the deadline deals. However, a little of a bummer, Greg, because I know you've tracked this for a couple of years now, that the trade deadline had, had heated up in recent years and it was turning into something a little more saucy than it had been in previous decades but uh, no dice in 2020. Yeah, it, it, it had been. And we saw a couple of deals. We've mentioned the Carlos Dunlop deal last week, and, and we'll get into a couple of smaller deals like Quan Alexander. Uh, but I do think the fact that you get a compensatory pick back uh, if a good player leaves via free agency really kills kills the deadline. Patra always makes this point, and he's right. You get a third-round pick back if, like, a high-quality starter – uh, leaves your team in free agency, like like a Will Fuller, um, who I know you, you're going to mention, Dan. And so it's like, if, unless you're getting that third rounder back, unless you're really in a hurry because you get it a year faster if you trade, you know, trade it now, then it's not quite uh, worth it. Mark, would you like to say something today? Well, I agree with that point. I mean, I think it's also <laughs> there are a lot of teams because I, I one thing that that kind of gets on my nerves about the trade deadline a little bit. Um, and it, and it's happening on Twitter. I'm sorry that I'm always, um, pinpointing that app, but, uh, it's every, all, it's everyone wanting their teams to be, it reminds me of free agency six months later. Everyone wants their teams to be super active, but for a lot of these teams, like making a, picking up a veteran for what's going to be seven or eight weeks and then having to deal with what happens after just this year specifically doesn't feel like it made a lot of sense. Like maybe a team like the Saints, they're going for broke, but here's why there are a lot of teams Mark. in the middle. It's our fault though, because it's what? great. It's good content, not ours, like the four of us, but just it's the, Mark's the, fault. The I'll quote unquote the media, because we we do tons of trade deadline content because it scores, you know, on TV, on the internet. There's like a month worth 
of trade deadline content because everyone wants to read about it. It's fun. And so then the fans get like a rationally, they get their hopes up a little much. I guess just like eight years into me being like overly excited about a minor trade, I've kind of not caught off guard or swayed emotionally by that as I have been in the past. All right, let's go ahead. Well, if they they didn't want people to talk about it, right? If you were a close source to a situation, then then stop leaking discussions regarding Will Fuller. (laughs) Um, You know, there's just, there's only so many players that, that are available and fans uh, obviously want teams to win and personnel want to keep their jobs. And so there's that clash there uh, that, that kind of makes things not happen sometimes. And, you know, fans get sad, but they still, you know, the games are still coming. We hope on Sunday and they'll have something else mm-hmm. to think about. Plus we lost Bill O'Brien. I mean, he's always good for That's true. crazy moves. So. Pour out one yes. for Bob. Bobby. All right. So Quan Alexander, Greg mentioned linebacker acquired by the saints in exchange for a conditional fifth round pick. And Kiko Alonso, who I feel has been traded more than any player in the history of <laughs> our league. Uh, Quan Alexander, if that name rings a bell, um, but not because you saw him making a bunch of plays the last couple of years, it's because the Niners gave him a ton of money in free agency last year. And it was one of those when, speaking of content mill and scoring, uh, Greg showing that he's the old boss by using like uh, corporate room slang for stories that do really good metrics. Oh, we had a big score. With I, don't, I don't even know if that is slang. I just, free agency yeah. winners and losers story. But uh, Quan Alexander was labeled by many as an overpay by the Niners, and they now decide uh, to move on without him moving him for not a ton of value. Yeah, they get a fifth-round pick. And I, it just got me thinking, and you're right, they, they paid him a lot of money last year, and he wasn't a huge contributor to their Super Bowl run. By the end, there was, you know – open question whether he should be benched because Dre Greenlaw was playing so well. So they have two good young linebackers, Greenlaw and Warner. They don't need Alexander. He's been hurt a ton. He missed a lot of tackles. Uh, but it did get me thinking, like, how this 49ers team is going to have to transition. And, you know, we'll talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. But also, D Ford was a guy they spent a pick and huge money on before last year. His guaranteed money is gone. After this year, I think they'll probably move on from him. They've always kind of been a high-risk, high-reward type of teams. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. This one didn't work because they basically are just giving him away, you know, trying to save a little money to the Saints. Well, I mean, had they had you know the fourth quarter gone differently in the Super Bowl, everyone in the Bay Area would not have a problem with the money spent and everything else. When you don't, when you don't, you know, finalize that Super Bowl win, the questions begin. I mean, Dan, to your point on Kiko Alonso, he now is in his fifth city. Um, he has hmm. been traded endlessly. He's 32. He reminds me of the resume that I had when I was 32, where I kept moving essentially west across the country <laughs> and asked like a family friend why I was not finding um, well-paid work. And he said, I'm looking at your resume and you frankly, you look like someone on the run, um, which is slightly <laughs> concerning to employers. But he is from Los Gatos, right outside of San Francisco, the Cats, which I spent a, a really bizarre uh, New Year's Eve in one time, a little uh, Kiko Alonso nugget. Nice nug, bro. Uh, We've been working at NFL Media long enough, Mark, that when he was the second-round pick to the Bills, he had a nice rookie season with them. And people in Western New York were so depressed about the state of professional football that you would have thought that Kiko Alonso was Lawrence Taylor the (laughs) second. An old West favorite. Hasn't played this year, so that shows you what kind of value uh, Alexander has. Kiko Alonso is coming off a a serious injury, has not played. All right, uh, speaking of... 
uh, linebackers on the move. The Steelers, this happened uh, before the deadline today. The Steelers acquired inside linebacker Avery Williamson and a 2022 seventh-round pick from the Jets in exchange for a 2022 fifth-round pick. Jets essentially, you know, he, Avery Williamson, this, this is kind of an example of why you don't get as bad as the Jets get without there being layers of, uh, poor decisions. Uh, I think it was three seasons ago, the Jets had Demario Davis, who was a nice player for them in the middle of their defense. Uh, he hit free agency and then they made the decision instead of retaining Davis, they signed Avery Williamson, uh, mm. away from the Titans. And Williamson had a decent first year, blew out his knee his second year, and then was kind of in the doghouse. Uh, with Greg Williams in year three. And Demario Davis is now an all-pro and one of the best rush linebackers in football. So a lot of these things have to go wrong. But uh, the Steelers get a player here, uh, Patrick, that can somewhat fill the void for Devin Bush, who was lost uh, to the torn ACL a couple weeks ago. And that was the discussion, right? Pre-Devin Bush was we need somebody who can play with speed in the middle of our defense. They lose Bush, and what a what a find, right? The Jets uh, have somebody, you know, Greg Williams, of course. You have to uh, first uh, adhere to Greg Williams and then be successful in his system. <laughs> uh, you know, it, d- it didn't work out for Avery Williamson, who has a great bit, right, of doing things in his full uniform. And so as soon as the, the trade happens, he, he's that out there good. hailing a cab in full uniform with an umbrella, which was great. <laughs> I, I think it fits in. He fits in in Pittsburgh. He's going to get into that defense to be plug and play. And that's the kind of type of thing you look for in a trade deadline, right? A team that's a certified seller, uh, that's in the seller, that's not winning anything, and a team that's good. Uh, and, and, you know, they exchange goods and services. Uh, and it works out. I, I think it definitely works out for the Steelers here. Uh, we'll have to see how the Jets uh, use those picks. They always take other guys' veterans and make them look better. That's, I guess, that's coaching. They always, like Steven Nelson, and it's just true. They've taken a lot of other guys' free agents. Uh, you're not that excited about, it, and they're like, okay, that guy's solid now that he's with Pittsburgh. They were looking at him actually. There were whispers that when Ryan Shazier went down, they looked into him. So it's there's been a interest in him for a while. Uh, the Titans are having all sorts of issues getting off the field on third down. They can't rush the passer. The secondary is inconsistent. So they acquire uh, cornerback Desmond King from the Chargers in exchange for a 2021 sixth-round pick. This one, um, I, I was scratching my head a little bit trying to figure out because I know that King, Greg, had fallen out of favor uh, in L.A., but he was a all-pro Slot guy two years ago, and now he's going for a six-round pick? That doesn't happen a lot. And a, a double all-pro because he was an all-pro special teamer that year. That doesn't happen a lot either. I love watching Desmond King. He seems – he see, he kind of reminds me of a better version of uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, who annoys everyone he plays against. You know, he's just like a pest. Oh, he's, that. he's got like a ton of energy. <laughs> and um, he was in the doghouse last year because of disciplinary issues, some sort of – I don't know what it was. They, it was always vague with the Chargers, but the coaching staff and him seem to have uh, problems. And so that's perfect. And he's on a contract year, so they only got eight more games of him. They're not going anywhere. But it's huge for Tennessee, uh, who's just so bad. They're historically bad on third down. They right now are the worst team, according to Mike Sando, in uh, recorded history on getting off the field on third down. They've only recorded that, that since since 91, but that's like, that's amazing that they're the worst team ever. Not just the worst team this year, the worst team ever. So anything that can help is a good thing. Doesn't we we keep like- saying the Titans don't have an identity on defense. That's a distinct identity. So this threatens that identity if he comes in and makes them better. 
Um, don't you feel like we're hearing it a lot this year in 2020? Various teams connected to the worst ever defense and name the category. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be a thing. Yeah, somebody has to be the, the worst, right, in 2020. But when you when you like look at 2020 being the best year ever for offenses, it mm, makes if sense. If you're worse than everybody else, you're still bad. So and, there was a lot of competition to be the worst in 2020 yeah. at anything, though. There's, you yeah. got you got a rich Kings field like, out there. King's so versatile, though. I mean, I loved watching him play in 2018. Vrabel, Vrabel and the Titans seem like, in in theory, they'd be the perfect team for him. Use them in a bunch of ways. And the matchmaking, the matchmaking seemed odd, right? To because all the teams that have secondary players that are worth trading for are still contending. So, right. especially when you look at say the. The East, with if like if there's a Fuller for the football team, or uh, for the Giants, Gettleman signs. Um, blanking on his name, oh, Logan Bradbury. Ryan. Yeah, James Bradbury, who he brought Bradbury. in to, to uh, as a rookie, right, to replace an All Pro and Josh Norman. Uh, he brings him back. So, but the problem with the East is those teams are all technically still contending. So right. they're not they're not going to ship them. And so like King going to Tennessee was maybe one of the only things that could actually happen, a team that was looking to deal somebody and a team that really needed help in the secondary. So I'm glad it worked out for both of them. Yeah, it feels like a good uh, reclamation project for sure. Um, All right, moving on. That's kind of the trade deadline. It was kind of a, but what are you going to do? Still a lot of fun stuff to talk about, but uh, let's hit the rest of the news. And uh, let's start in San Francisco. Not a fun situation for the Niners, who are just, I don't know. I don't want to say it because I've mentioned on the show, you know, I do the power ranking show, and they have vexed me all season because they're just, every time you think they're done, they rise. Every time you they rise and you're ready to take them seriously, they slide. But now something else has entered the picture, which is just injuries at another level. And Jimmy Garoppolo will start there. He has a high ankle sprain again, but this is a different one. And this one is worse. Uh, Suffered in the loss to the Seahawks in week eight. Uh, Kyle Shanahan deemed it a whole new high ankle sprain. Um, It's worse than the last one. He will be sidelined four to six weeks. He's been moved to injured reserve. And there is a chance he needs surgery. And if he needs surgery, his season is over. It doesn't stop there. George Kittle. That's the Jenga piece. That's the most important part of the San Francisco 49ers offense. After further testing, it was revealed that he had a broken bone in his foot. That's a fracture. He is on IR. He is out eight weeks. And if you do the math, it's pretty much donezo for George Kittle. Uh, Sessler, I don't think there's any – I usually don't say Sessler. I don't like that. Sometimes when people use last name, like you've done it to me, sometimes it always stops me in my tracks. I I know that confuses it. When you do that, then I I forget what it is I'm supposed to call you sometimes because I remember that one aspect of it really annoyed you. And I'm like, which one was it that Dan doesn't like? And then you're making your own nickname. So I don't, you know, I'm not. Yeah, Hansus is a little short. It's like something my CYO coach would call me in fifth grade if I was, you know, not getting back on defense fast enough. That's beside the point. Uh, The (laughs) Niners, they're done now, right, Mark? Well, I mean, considering that, you know, just uh, days ago on our preview show um, on NFL Network, I'll mention, um, I was just, you know, singing praises all over again about Kyle Shanahan being the coach that can coach around injuries better than anyone else in the league. Well, at some point, you just have to wave goodbye to the ship and too much has happened. I don't know if someone has a hex on that team, but I mean, I think for me, the question 
you have to, I mean, certainly someone like George Kittle, the new, he is deep into the future with this team. It's fair to ask if we've seen the last of Jimmy G. And if you say that, you know, you paid Quan Alexander a ton of money and he gave you what, 13 starts or something. They've given Jimmy G 85 million for 30 starts. And, and, and he's regressed, if anything. I mean, he's, you know, he's given you less to look at. And so I think it moves the Niners into a really pivotal offseason where are you going to hang tight with this quarterback going into next year? Or are you going to look around? Because I think it's fair to look around. Well, especially when you think of the former Kyle Shanahan quarterbacks who might be available. You got Kirk Cousins. Um, it'd be Ugh. tricky to, it'd be tricky to trade him, but I'll never forget, um, Mike Silver being on our network reporting that Kirk Cousins was going to be, uh, a member of the 49ers eventually. Cause it, it was a, a, you know, a unique report, um, that basically Kyle Shanahan wanted to bring Cousins in, but he had to wait a year. Uh, and that was like in the March of 2017. <laughs> and then Belichick comes calling with a guy, Garoppolo, at a very, at a ridiculously cheap value that they weren't really looking to get. And so they take them, they take them for a spin, they win six games in a row, and it's like, okay, let, let's ride with Jimmy G. But it's never really been um, a great fit since Jimmy G tore his ACL. Now, that's a small sample size, but I, you just don't get the feeling that Garoppolo is ever comfortable. So you got Cousins possibly available in a trade, and you got Matt Ryan maybe possibly available in a trade, who uh, Shanahan was smited by the football gods with too. What did Kyle uh, Shanahan do? I mean, this whole this whole 49ers run has been totally killed by injuries, right. except for last year. I mean, it's tough. I would point to Connor Orr's um, notation during our uh, you know special about various uh, th- that theories, conspiracy theories, where I think it probably ties back to an offense that the Shanahan's laid on the Manning family a long time ago. I don't have any more <laughs> details to that, but it's just something to look into. Yeah, it, it, it obviously is what drove Patrick Mahomes to complete that third down pass to Tyreek Hill. Clear connection. Uh, but to, to Greg's point, like legitimately, so if let, if Atlanta is near the top of the draft and we know Trevor Lawrence maybe won overall with the Jets, Atlanta looking at Justin Fields uh, out of Ohio State, Matt Ryan's available, uh, Zach Wilson is at BYU. So there's all these quarterbacks available. I think with there already being a quarterback backlog, uh, coming into 2020, that Jimmy G is going to be a Chicago Bear in 2021. Like that just mm. came to me uh, thinking about this podcast. How about a New England Patriot? I mean, they would oh, give up a pick for Jimmy G. So here's the thing: Jimmy G. People think his contract's bad. It's not bad anymore. There's no more guaranteed money. He's making about 24 a year, which is literally the cheapest veteran uh, in the league. Like that's what Teddy makes. And uh, I could totally see Belichick like giving up a, a third or a fourth to get him back. <laughs> I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who said recently um, that what is it? Thirty-five starts is what you forty need. was it forty? Forty, yeah. It's interesting to me that Mark said it. He Garoppolo's made thirty starts for the Forty ers but it's been over four years now, and it's like at a certain point you have to factor in the durability to all this as well. And Patrick, you made the point of Tyreek Hill, or was it Sammy Watkins? Uh, down the sideline that changed the Super Bowl. You can pick whatever. either one. <laughs> yeah, either either or. Uh, but sports is funny. I just pulled it up on YouTube because it's a moment that lives will live on in infamy. For the 49ers, 133 to play. Emmanuel Sanders beats the corner, beats the safety, has a step, and Jimmy G misses him by three yards on what would have been the touchdown that would have given them the lead back with 90 seconds to play. Uh, do they hold on to win that game either way? I don't know, but it's just that sports. And there's no no one's talking about Jimmy G coming or going if he hits on that pass to Sanders. 
Um, but we'll see what happens next. Hubba hubba. Mm. Love quarterback drama. Moving on. Man, what a rough week for the uh, Ravens. You blow a 10-point lead to the Steelers. Lamar Jackson looks like you have – I don't think I could say that. Uh, You uh, lose Ronnie Stanley, your left tackle, uh, for the year. And then Marlon Humphrey, your all-pro corner, announces that he has contracted the coronavirus. And as a result, seven close contacts of Humphrey, that from Tom Pelissero, added to the COVID-19 list. Uh, just a very tough situation, and COVID is—it's really the wave is coming. I mean, it's been hap- it's been a rolling wave in this country and this world for months now. But in the NFL realm, you feel like it's uh, there's a tidal wave building here. Mm. Well, it's it's back to you know June where we kept saying if it's happening in the country, it's going to be happening in the NFL, and we're at record numbers now in the country. So I am I am concerned. Uh, obviously, not just about everyone who's contracting the virus, but just just the how likely it is to finish 16 games for all these teams. It, it seems to get tougher each week. Now, when it comes to the Ravens, now we've become experts that we know that these close contacts have five days to get off of it, which, in you know, if you do the math, they could all be eligible to play on Sunday except for Humphrey. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, certainly more. Yeah, go ahead, Mark. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, certainly more concerned about the virus, uh, as Greg mentioned. When you're nearing 100,000 cases a day, uh, those are going to exist in football. They're going to exist in the Postal Service, er- everywhere, uh, where people are, are out and they're around people. Um, but in, in terms of concerns, uh, losing Stanley definitely hurts. Uh, but, you know, they, they lost the game uh, on a Monday night to the defending champions, and then there's a, the, the only undefeated team in the league and there's an incompletion in literally the very last play of the game. I'm not super concerned uh, going back to 72. Not like teams win every game. Uh, so I, I still think this Baltimore Ravens team, uh, you know, is a, is a real problem for the AFC. I mean, you look at the the players that if, if for instance, this five-day window doesn't get – they don't get out of this five-day window – You've got four, five linebackers that are being sequestered right now or put it, you know, quarantine sequestered isn't the incorrect term. I mean, that's, that would be very uh, problematic. I mean, football in general, they are luckier than the skies that these games in general happen every seven days for these teams because this would, this is the kind of thing that would wreak ultra havoc if football happened every three or four days. You've got full position groups right now. No matter whether they play or not, they will not practice all week. And now that probably for some teams is lesser of an issue for the Ravens than it would be for others. But that is a inequality. And these inequalities have added up for certain teams. But we kind of forget about it. And we're just looking at their win-loss record. I mean, it's it's messy. And there's some we, there is a little bit of an ominous aura to it as well. Well, we have two months remaining in the regular season, right? Look at MLB. They are, I know they played in the summer and it's a different situation with COVID. They survived the regular season by the skin of their teeth without using a bubble. As soon as the playoff hits, they got inside a bubble and they were able to get through the season without any COVID issues until the Justin <laughs> Turner incident in the deciding game of the World Series. So almost perfect, but not quite there. I, I guess I, I, I guess I'd be kind of shocked if they don't have some type of bubble situation in place at some point this season it feels like as mm. as my mom would say you're spitting in the scoy and and waiting for something terrible to happen Wait, what what does that mean well don't you don't spit in the sky 
You don't say things, oh. you don't put things out there in the universe uh, that you don't want to come back on you. Um, but uh, Andy got me. I, yeah. I yeah. It didn't sound like Sky. I think yeah, it was the score was like a, like a, a <laughs> my mom doesn't talk like that either, but I, I like to enhance the, uh, the Queen's accent. Don't spit in the sky. All right. Other COVID news. Cowboys place uh, Andy Dalton on the COVID list. Oh, you got you to gotta be kidding me. Uh, thankfully, according to a Todd Archer report, he's not. Oh, he's not asymptomatic. That's a, that is not a good choice cluster of words. I, I misread that. That means he has symptoms, right? If you're not asymptomatic. That's correct. Just say he has symptoms. What are we doing here? Anyway, bad news for Dalton, who it could not be going worse. His Cowboy season uh, plays poorly, then gets concussed and now has the COVID. So Ben DiNucci, you would think we'd get another start, but now we're hearing that he was so poor on Sunday Night Football that they might be bringing uh, somebody off the street uh, to start that game. The Cowboys are absolutely in the running for the number one overall pick. And they're playing the Steelers, so whoever you put out there is not going to be thankful for the opportunity, I would imagine. Are, are they in the running, though? I mean, the Jets got to win two games. I feel like the Jets are as much in the running for 0-16 you well, know. no, the Jets are the leader in the clubhouse, but if you yeah. are sitting on – they have two wins, right? And do you see another win on the schedule? No, they're defunct now. It yeah. could be tough. It could I, be tough. I would have been with you, Greg, before I saw the Ben DiNucci game uh, on Sunday night. That It, it did not inspire confidence. Well, I don't, I, I would, a 2 and 14 <laughs> is on the table, although they do have, you know, games in this this uh, terrible division left. But a two and fourteen is very on the table. I guess I would if if we were going to do a sandwich, I'd put uh, the Jets' final record right at one and fifteen. Probably would be my. Choice. Well, you also don't need like you don't need the number one overall pick uh, right. to be in you know a gold position come draft day. It does go back. I think we talked about it last week. When we we're uh, throwing out different theories for some silly game we were doing. Uh, what if the Cowboys have an opportunity to bring uh, Justin Fields or some other hotshot into their building? Would they would they have the gall to hit a complete reset? I mean, uh, jo- I hold mean, on. Jerry Jones was into Johnny Manziel when Tony Romo was their quarterback. So I would put nothing past <laughs> it. It, it. They said all the right things and they, they always say all the right things. But well, if suddenly that opportunity where Trev- for Trevor Lawrence came to the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, they would consider it heavily and probably go in that direction, I think. They say the right things unless you're Ben DiNucci. Poor guy. Uh, if hey, he was listening to, listening to Dallas radio this morning, heard it, the owner, his owner, Jerry Jones, saying that, well, this guy just wasn't ready for it. You know, he's just burying <laughs> DiNucci as if DiNucci is the biggest part of their problem. Could you uh, even imagine if you mic'd up the luxury suite during that game? He like looks who's the guy that cleans his glasses? Uh, Stephen Jones. He goes, "That boy ain't ever starting another game for the star." You hear me? That boy is done. What's the what's the skit with the shining the glasses business? That's that they're fine with that. Okay. <laughs> well, he did. That happened. That was a. Fun. That was, that was uh, not Stephen Jones, by the way. It's like the other offshoot child. If Ben DiNucci it starts was a another child, game, they're, believe, they're absolutely yeah. in the running for um, Trevor Lawrence. It, it is in their mission statement. If Ben DiNucci sees the football field again, <laughs> was it the Eric Trump of the Jerry Jones family? Uh, it was. It was. A, wasn't it was a great. I thought it was a grandson, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was a son-in-law. All right, let's let's please let's move on. Let's cover yeah. our tracks here. Um, all right, uh, another COVID. One last COVID thing to share. Hopefully, another one doesn't pop up by the end of the show. But yes, Broncos general manager John Elway and CEO Joe Ellis tested positive for COVID nineteen. 
uh, rap sheet reported um, that the team is confident the virus transmissions happened outside the team facility, but who knows? That John Elway is sixty years old. Joe Ellis is sixty-one. I mean, that's not in a um, that's not in the zone of hey, you're young and fresh and you're fine. I'd be concerned about this stuff. I mean, it's getting all over the place. I mean, some of the college players who are talking about how long it took to get rid of some symptoms. Some of the some of the pretty common um, mental side effects that you're a little foggy, you know, for maybe months afterwards. Th- that concerns you when you got quarterbacks who had it and, you know, things like that. I It, it didn't get a lot of attention, but Ryquel Armstead of the Jaguars is out for the year because he was hospitalized twice with, with COVID. That was a guy who might have started at running back for for the Jaguars. And so it's all it's all a lottery. It and, sucks. This and sucks. once once you make the decision to play and not opt out, then whatever happens with you COVID wise is is just kind of on you. And so you that was along. that that's my concern is what incentive is there for a player to report symptoms? Um if if you have symptoms and you're just gonna be out and potentially uh maybe your career could be in question. So Marlon like, Humphrey had symptoms last week, was out a day, didn't test positive. And then was back practicing with his yeah. team for two days and then played in the game. So that shows everyone can be doing everything right. No one's at fault there. Um, but it's well, like there's, no, there's no right answer. Right. And not to belabor, but he's one of the guys that they do the test on Sunday. You don't get the result till Monday. And he went into the game having been positive for Corona. That's not that far from the Dodgers scenario, right? I mean, that just is sure. very murky. And it's like, we're going to press on, we're going to play all these games, but you're talking about like the health of your players and coaches. Honestly, how did we get here? Imagine if you were, imagine it's 2017, the four of us are doing the podcast and then somebody showed up and like, here's a tape of the November 3rd, 2020 show including the top of the show discussion, by the way. So let's take this back to about 2015. Um, imagine. Uh, it's just, it's madness. The world that we live in, inhabit, it's, it's crazy. I would say, Man. like, Mark, you just don't age. Love the shirt. You're just, you just don't age. I know you Thanks, are man. older, but, you know, you don't. Thanks. Like well, it's, you know, there, I, I'm, you know, these are methods that didn't exist back in 2015 that I'm using right now. Unbelievable. All right. Um, All right, so there's the update of everything that's going on in the league. Before we get to Monday Night Football, curious boys, um, with the trade deadline now in the rearview mirror, if you have any trades that you think should have happened, and I'll I'll start here, Will Fuller should be on the Packers right now. Uh, Mm. This one made sense to me. Uh, There was reports. There was smoke around this. Fuller is on an expiring contract. Uh, He's a veteran that will command pretty good money, you would think, on the open market. Uh, the, the Texans are a team that is neither a team of the present or the future as things currently stand. So anything to recoup some draft assets, you would think, uh, would be something they'd be interested in. And for the Packers, man, you know, you watch that game on Sunday and it just reminds you as Dalvin Cook rips them apart uh, that they have a lot of the same problems on defense that ended their season last year. And you might not be able to fix that in a tr- trade deadline uh, or not have anybody out there that you feel comfortable going after. So why not do the next best thing? And you have Aaron Rodgers playing at, you know, all all pro levels. Um, go get him another big-time weapon and see if you can just outscore your problems. I think your window is finite with Rodgers. He's doing it in a big way this year. Why not just go for it? Because I know you have Alan Lazard on IR, and 
I guess he's coming back at some point. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling is 115 out of 117 uh, on the graded wide receivers for PFF. <laughs> I mean, that was an obvious area of upgrade, and it would have made the Packers terrifying because Fuller's been healthy and very good uh, for the Texans this year. But apparently, according to reports, there was a disagreement internally with the Packers about uh, what he was worth, Fuller, because he is mm. an injury risk. He is a guy you have to then re-sign. Do you want to give up a mid-round pick, I assume maybe a second or third, for a guy uh, that might not stick around or might not stay healthy? I get it, but it was worth the risk to me. Here's the thing. They, they, just, they just used a second-round pick on a guy who's not even playing. And so, like, I, I, who AJ Dillon? First, yeah, AJ Dillon, and then Jordan Love is a first round pick. And so, I, I, I understand that that you want to maximize value, but how many years of Aaron Rodgers d- does the team have I, left? With, with your draft pick, you said that it's not that many. So mm. why not? I, I saw like we all sat there and watched Alan Lazard wide open catch a ball. He, he ran a great route, but he got chased down from behind. He he just. He doesn't have that type of speed. Will Fuller does, and I'm sure he's an injury risk. Everybody on earth is an injury risk. That's why we're doing these shows from home, because everybody's an injury risk. I, I don't understand that logic. I'm with you, Dan. Uh, this this is a trade that should have happened. I, I I am fine with the Packers not making this move. I, I just when, – when you watch the of Packers – Of course you are, Greg. Of no, usually I want them to make a move, but – when you watch the Packers, lack of receivers really seems pretty low on their needs. They are a great passing attack. They were a great passing attack last week. They were extremely efficient throwing the ball. Uh, Lazard will get back. Like, yes, I, I would love to have Will Fuller, but then you got to give him the franchise tag or sign him long term. And so, unless you're willing to do that, um, I, I don't think that's. I don't think it's like a huge like move for them. For, for eight weeks. And I, and I don't like the fact, I don't like the argument that they draft, they, they drafted poorly, uh, in terms of AJ Dillon, it looks like, and, and love, they're not getting anything out of. If, if love has a 20% chance of being a top 10 quarterback, that was a great pick. They had two first round picks a year ago. You don't see anyone like going crazy because Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage gives them nothing week after week. I mean, Savage <laughs> is just there. Gary gives them, it's like, that's what you usually get with your picks. So it's like, I don't mind if you take a chance at a quarterback, get your defense better. Man, that's carry all. that yeah, carry that, that Goody. Greg water. has been on the phone with Goody, I think, and they're, they they're getting did, along. They like, already goodness. did that stuff, though. That, that's my thing. They, they've already got their quarterback, right? So use a pick, use a three, use a two, whatever. Get and it wasn't take a shot. Sounded like it was going to cost the two. It was not just that they didn't use a first or second. They waited until the sixth round to take a defensive player after you got run out of the building in the in the playoffs against Raheem Mostert and the Niners. That's I don't know, and that's all ancient history now. My point was, yes, Greg, is their offense, passing offense especially, very good right now? Yes, but would it have made them better with Will Fuller? I think so, and why not? Uh, but they had their reasons. All right, who's got one? Who else got one? I've got one. I want the Cowboys to step up because Mark, you know, tweeted it out. They're in primetime a couple more times. They're in 425. I mean, poor uh, Nance and Romo are going to do uh, Cooper Rush starting this mm. week. That That's the Cowboys player who uh, I guess is probably going to start. Who's been that's, on not a, that's not a person. It's a real person. I saw him in training camp once. At one point, he was in a in a battle with Kellen Moore. How about that? Uh, more should start. There, there's your sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's what they should do. You know, Jerry Jones got into the Hall of Fame. Um, 
you know, for doing things for the good of the league, like making the league more money, essentially. You know, the NFL is famous for doing things for the good of the league. How about you go trade for Jameis Winston for the good of the league? And uh, so when we're watching the Cowboys, it's just a little more fun to watch. Just do it for the, the 27 million or it's like 35 million people watching on Thanksgiving. Let's watch Jameis Winston. Who knows? You might even win some games and win this terrible division anyways. I'm sure the Saints would give him away for very little. Just just, just for the entertainment I mean, value. Jameis Winston, Greg, is coming off a season where he threw 30 interceptions. <laughs> now you're going to trade him in the middle of the season and say, learn this playbook in a week, and you're going to... It would be entertaining. You, you, can't, you can't tell me that they wouldn't be way better with yeah, Jameis. I mean, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's he going to do, throw a pick? Give up a fourth, a fourth for the good of the league. Seriously, the amount of people, if you did the math, it's probably like 400 people are going to be watching Cowboys games nationally for the rest of the year. Just do it. Why are you giving up a high? It's going to be a high fourth round pick, right? Why are you giving that up? All right, a fifth, whatever. The The Saints should be fine with it. One year, like damn near one month. It's out of the box. I'm only down on your trade because you were down on mine, Greg. (laughs) Uh, Patrick, you got one? Yeah, I I got one. The Denver Broncos send Kareem Jackson to Cleveland uh, for a third-round pick. Uh, He's got an out in his contract that basically is only going to be about a $2 million cap hit next year. Uh, You get a productive veteran player that gives Joe Woods another piece to play with that can do a lot of things, uh, move around, be versatile in the secondary. Uh, I'm not saying give up right on Andrew Sandejo or any of the other guys in the secondary, but you get another piece. Because let's be honest, like how many years – of Cleveland Browns contending, do you really get? Uh, so mm. yeah, move move in Joku for whatever pick you want to, to take the place. Uh, add another piece in the secondary while you've got Miles Garrett playing at a defensive player of the year level, and just uh, just see what you can do. You know, you, you've got this uh, kind of neutered offense uh, right now. Maybe you get Chubb back, and you you become like this defensive team. Uh, they, they can uh, try to do something, you know, make a I, run. We added a playoff spot. Let's do it. Take a shot. I like the idea because they, they're in their bye week. So you'd have time to acclimate that works in the COVID, you know, waiting window, that business. Um, their front office seemed like just completely intent not to do anything, but especially at safety where, I mean, Sandejo, um, has been a huge liability actually week after week. I thought they might go after Anthony Harris of the Vikings. Um, you know, there are some shared DNA ties with Stefanski and others, and he would have, fit in well, but um, they were very inactive. Well, I don't know. I'm not shared DNA in terms of career, Dan. I mean, that's how we meant to use that on the show. I don't know how you use it. You explain how you, why that offended you or why, explain why that got you up in arms. I don't think it was the arms. Yeah. Mike's cutting out. I can't, I can't expect. I'm fine. (laughs) Ah. Oh, was my, that was, was it. My, Sorry. Was my too basic. Yeah, no, <laughs> I like that. Literally no reaction. To, you know, guy drops like one, guy yeah. drops one or some love- sound bite, and the whole thing goes off the rails. <laughs> I like it. Kareem Jackson is a is a beast. Watching him last week, just laying out chargers. It was like un- it's sometimes it's unsafe to be around Kareem Jackson. Like he was putting people in the hospital last week. Hmm. All right, uh, Mark, close it up. I will give you a quick thing with no, with literally no um, analysis at all. Alden Smith to the Seahawks. I could just see it. But this is what kind of stuck with me. If you really wanted to shake up things up for two teams that still believe in themselves. And these are two teams that are playoff um, hopefuls, but have major identity issues. It is the Bears and the Eagles. So what you do is you switch coaching staffs <laughs> from top to bottom, okay? Doug oh, Peterson Mark. 
goes to New York and he's paired back again with Nick Foles. To Matt Chicago. Nagy and okay. also in, to Chicago. He gets, sorry, Doug Peterson goes to Chicago and he gets Nick Foles. Matt Nagy and Andy Reid offshoot also goes to Philly. Both staffs, I think, get a massive fresh start. Jim Schwartz gets a good Bears defense. Chuck Pagano, a good Philly defense. Wentz, Wentz and Foles need some life. They need some new activity, and they're invariably going to meet in the playoffs with mm. now flipped opposing coaching staffs. That's how you turn <laughs> an Eagles in the playoff scenario into something that has a lot of bizarre storylines. I would watch that game. Let's just trade the teams themselves, right? Just switch the uniforms. <laughs> well, because my problem way- is <laughs> like Matt Nagy with the Bears is killing me. But if maybe if he goes just you give him a whole new world. <laughs> Seems like a, a rough trade new- for the Eagles. You trade a guy with a statue outside uh and Jim Schwartz for uh for Matt Nagy. I don't know. Well, I already that. traded a guy with a statue outside. I thought you were gonna say yeah. just how about trade Wentz uh for Foles and like a first round pick? Now that would be saucy. That's interesting too. I like that. <laughs> that I like is that a lot. Well, I never thought of like if Wentz got traded a mid first round pick with that. I feel that like it'd be a multiple. Doesn't seem like enough, but I'm just yeah. Uh, It'll be a first and a second. And it's been a bad year for Carson Wentz. We'll get into that more on the uh, Thursday preview show. All right, let's hit some Monday Night Football. Looking for the tie, two point conversion, shotgun. Jones looks to his right, throws to his right, and it is broken up. Trying to hit Lewis, flag down. Antoine Winfield thought he won the battle. Penalty marker on the play. And here there is, is no the call. foul for defensive yeah. pass interference on the play. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> the Buccaneers hold on. But, you know, you could take Tom Brady out of New England. He's still going to catch the breaks. <laughs> You know, Antoine Winfield Jr. goes streaking across the end zone, knocks away the two-point attempt from Daniel Jones, falls a little bit behind his intended receiver, and a little bit late. But that was the nature of this game. 25-23, Bucks beat the Giants at the Meadowlands, a game where I think a lot of people were surprised uh, that the Buccaneers didn't just roll up the Giants. But New York's been showing a little bit of fight. Uh, the last couple weeks, but they keep on getting beaten in a heartbreaking fashion. And and Mark, this game, without it turning into a complete pile on here, but this game really is different if Daniel Jones is just competent. If he if he hits on uh, a couple of open throws downfield, if he uh, makes the right decision with the ball when the pass rushes on him, if he even makes that throw on time uh, on the two-point conversion, uh, the Giants have an upset win, but instead you're left answer- wondering about whether he is the guy in New York. Yeah, and, and Dan, I know that you text with Giants fans back east regularly. I do the same with a great friend of mine. And like we were just – it's a roller co- it's a human roller coaster ride with Daniel Jones because – for a couple minutes, we were texting about how you've got to go get another quarterback. Forget the 40-game rule because 40 games puts you week 12 of next season. And I just think this is who Daniel Jones is. But then a couple mm. minutes later, he does something that kind of makes you think, wait a minute, he is a special athlete when he's on. There was this one – I mean, there's a bad play where I thought that – and they pointed it out that he missed what would have been a clear touchdown on one side of the field, and he whips it in the other direction. Interception, Carlton Davis. We saw the missed balls deep, but then we saw it at the fourth quarter, the way that he made connections and converted third third and fourth downs that gave me a little bit of hope. So ultimately, I'm left utterly confused. Um, I really think that Joe Judge... Mm. gave me a an idea that I stick with Joe Judge. There's something about him and what he does for the Giants 
that they've not had under their previous coaches. But with Daniel Jones, I'm left befuddled as to what to say about him other than I think he is this hot and cold roller coaster ride. Where, where's the highs, though? I mean, they were there last year. There were some year. beautiful watched... throws. No. Here I mean, and there, they, but not enough. Not last not night. Enough. Not last night. That was, a disa- that was a disaster. And they were giving him a lot of credit for that last drive. It reminded me so much of the Sam Darnold scene ghost game because Jones was like kind of begging to just be pulled out of the game or for it to end. That last drive was a nightmare. <laughs> he, he almost threw four interceptions on that drive alone. There was the fourth down play, and this is the play where it, it killed me, where he event, they picked up the fourth down, but there's three guys rushing. There's absolutely no one around him, and he just starts running around, almost runs into the sack, totally panicked, doesn't wait for guys to get open, and, and he's just not there. And kind of like the seeing ghosts game, it was, it's the game that got me thinking like, Oh, this this might not this might not happen. This might not work. I was very ha- high on Daniel Jones coming into this year because I, I did see the highs last year, um, but I'm not seeing it now. Just it, whether it's confidence or or what it is, he's so scrambled uh, mentally and 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 mostly physically too. Like it's not like he's been accurate, which is which is what you would you would want out of him. It it was tough. Like if they had a better backup, I think it would not hurt to give him a, a week or two off. And people were wondering, like, Greg, I saw your tweet uh, about the third down, and we uh, exchanged tweets about what Jason Garrett was calling uh, on third downs. And it's just it, – it's probably hard to call plays for Daniel Jones when we talked about Jameis. Daniel Jones is basically Jameis Winston uh, in his willingness to, to give the ball to the other team. And you you want to pinpoint the highs, but the problem is, like, it's – you know, the scores at the end of the game are cumulative. Right, like seven seven points in the first quarter is the same as seven points in the fourth quarter. And uh, you, Dan, you mentioned the throw to Slayton. Like, if you take out the Derek Carr pass to Henry Ruggs over the weekend, where like a gale force wind blew it forty yards out of bounds, that that was the worst pass attempt all all week. Uh, right. Slayton's running wide open is probably a touchdown, and he just he, he air mails it's nowhere close uh, from a clean pocket, and it's just. You, you you have to be able to succeed in those circumstances, and and he just he didn't. I, I mean, I'll say this because I I know where Mark Mark's coming from on this too because he knows Daniel Jones is fully aware that he's having a bad game and he knows he's in prime time and he knows there's pressure starting to build on him uh, with in, maybe internally in the organization and certainly with the fans that root for the Giants. I, it showed me a little something that he kept coming and and didn't completely fold up the tent. The touchdown pass to Golden Tate was a beautiful throw. I think he does have the skill set, but I, I think it's it's a confidence thing more than anything else right now where he was trying to just make things happen, and, and you know, that's a rookie or a young quarterback mistake. So I don't want to completely write him off, but the Giants are kind of starting to edge now into that territory of the Jets, only it's a year sooner where it's like, all right, we there are things we like about this kid. And there are things that make us super nervous, and we might be picking number one or number two in this draft. Uh, that's a tough spot for the Giants and the and whoever is making the decisions. It won't be Dave Gettleman. Well, you're not going to let the Jets and probably Washington go select franchise quarterbacks while Dave Gettleman takes a right guard. I mean, if it, if you have the opportunity to upgrade, and they're well, okay, Gettleman's they're gonna not going to be there if they're in the top three of the draft, right? I right. Think we can I, agree like, on I'm that. not sitting here telling know. you that. I'm not sitting here telling you Daniel Jones is this like he's going to correct all these problems. Did I see a couple good throws last night? Do I see someone that can make all the throws but seems completely confused? 
and is in, is in an offense where he's losing confidence? Yes. But am I going to like say that he is not on any level, like athletically fit to be a pro quarterback? I won't say that. Like I did see some good things, but I don't think he's in a very functional offense, first of all. And I don't know. If I don't know. The, guy, coaching they, the coaching did an awesome job last night. The running game was awesome. They were playing the number but one. Greg, you're, so you're basically, had, you're done guys, with Daniel Jones at this point. You're done I, with him. I'm not done. Your I, went in, I went in super high, but I think he, he's imploding. I mean, he's the worst quarterback in the league right now. So you got to do something about right now because this team is competitive. I think Whoa, Benny I, he's in the house Sam Darnold. I just mean of like a regular starter coming into the year. Him, him and Darnold would be the, would be the two picks. So he's lost right now. And I, you have to figure. A, a way out of that. I mean, that that game was won a million times by their receivers and their offensive line played well and their defense played great. The only reason they lost that game was, was because of Daniel Jones. It was a tough game for him. There's no doubt about that. On the other side of the ball, the Bucks. I think it's, uh, you know, I kept them, for instance, at number three behind the Steelers and Chiefs in the power rankings this week. Uh, and then people are getting on me. Oh, they barely beat the Giants and all this stuff. This is a long season in our league. And what happens is every once in a while, you don't play so hot. But if you're a good team, you still find a way to win. So, yes, was, should you be a little disappointed that they were kind of sleepwalking through this game and maybe those Danny Dimes interceptions are the only reason they uh, didn't sleepwalk straight to a loss? Sure, but they won, so I kind of give them a pass, and I'm still – hyper confident and high on them as they head into a huge saints matchup on Sunday night. And they're only going to get better. Uh, you know, as much as the broadcast discussed Antonio Brown, he's, he's still uh, the reason he's coming to the game is because he's, he's a good football player. Uh, so they're going to get better on offense. Uh, Godwin may get back. They, they'll be really scary. And Todd Bowles, the job that he's done with the defense, um, they're, they're just a really good football team, or a really solid football team that's that's going to be a problem in January to somebody. I mean, and Gronk yeah. is becoming a better factor week after week. I mean, that I, I questioned three weeks ago if he would be, and he's scored multiple times. You, you could see Brady going for him. And they bench they essentially bench Rojo, Ronald Jones, and Fournette. Well, I don't think Fournette's anything great at all, but, I mean, they've got a couple guys they can use. Scotty Miller's picking it up. And, and like, you know, and not to go back to Daniel Jones, but their defense is one that's going to confuse quarterbacks. Their secondary has 65, they have 65 points off takeaways this year. That's second in the league. I mean, this is one of the few defenses you can count on to mess up the other side of the ball. Yeah. I, I think I am with you, Dan, that I'm not worried about that game last night. I think the Giants have played sneaky good for a while almost the whole season they've they've looked like a better more competitive team overall and it was not the Bucks best night Brady's been you know had some tough days against Patrick Graham I keep I've, I've said it a few times I think the Patriots dynasty ended in week 17 last year when Graham came in there and and with Flores helped cook up Brady uh pretty good mentally as the coordinator of the uh of the Dolphins and uh, he had, he had Brady a little confused. They're not the same without Chris Godwin. I do think you saw like possibly one little problem with this team last night is, is the loss of Vita Vea starting to show up because the, their biggest weakness. And it's amazing. This is their biggest weakness is their pass rush uh, on paper. It looks good, but JPP and, and, and Shaq Barrett really aren't having great years. Uh, and opposing quarterbacks have a lot of time, and, and it's an aggressive defense, so you can try to beat them over the top. I mean, every team's got some issues, but I think that's that's something that other NFC teams, like the Packers, for instance, with a great O-line, a great quarterback, uh, can maybe take advantage of if they ever got a rematch. I did think it was an interesting commentary. 
a, a commentary on Daniel Jones from Bruce Arians that he was able to like put Rojo in the doghouse while Fournette was kind of uh, being inconsequential. I think he, he ended up with like 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, I think that was Bruce Arians saying I can I can still punish this guy and uh, not play my guy who's been tearing up the league because I'm I'm not super worried about the Giants here <laughs> and he shouldn't. Have. <laughs> it's fair. There. All right. There you go. Monday night. Oh, by the way, the Monday night football telecast. Um, I have, I have a couple of takes. I have one, I have one take and Greg, you mentioned something before the show. I love the graphics. I love the visuals of Monday night football. ESPN's done a nice job. It looks very clean. Um, way into that. So after a couple of years of that telecast getting killed, I just want to say I like that. I even like the dopey, uh, little graphic things with like when they had, uh, uh, Breeze and Brady on the seesaw with Peyton Manning, that computer graphics. I'm into that. Um, so I just want to uh, say I'm enjoying the visual of Monday Night Football, even if I didn't enjoy the grease man, Brian Greasy, uh, with the following <laughs> quote. Tom genuinely wants to see guys succeed. I truly believe that. And he's doing the same thing with Antonio Brown. Uh, well, that on the grease thing. man. I um I, I don't want to speak of the uh, famed Sessler Greasy incident uh, that may have colored my relationship with Brian <laughs> Greasy uh, as as a broadcaster, but there was the moment where Daniel Jones basically pegs Winfield in the back on the two point conversion that would have tied the game, and Greasy's like Tom Brady's a winner, and I'm like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> like was Tom Brady over there using a mind trick to force Daniel Jones to throw a horrible pass? So of course yeah. I joke about it, and I've got angry Brady defenders assuming that I'm. Um, the greatest. Well, I know. Why did Gre- why did Greg get on you like that? That was Gre- <laughs> now Greasy. Greasy, a former teammate of Tom Brady, so not uh, not totally unbiased. Michigan guy. And uh, last night, there's there's a lot to praise Tom Brady about. Last night was not his best game, or, or the passing game's best game. It was the defense setting them up. Like it's okay to call a, a spade a spade, and I think they've been doing that. I've been enjoying this Monday Night Crew um, more as the season's going along. I think they're getting their footing. They're put in a tough spot. You know, it's a new crew, a lot of a lot of eyes on them. I think they're getting more comfortable. It's, it's a it's a solid watch. It's I good. mean, I think, I think that, like in the past, you these guys were given years. Like I think when like Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet did Week One, and my my notation was, I know these guys are a one week thing for pros, and then they're going to go back to college, but. They've been doing it so long that they just had this natural chemistry. And asking right. these three-man booths to come in and have that right away is a big ask. And it's also happening in a terrible environment where, like, you know, Steve Levy's trending after the game. Everyone's trending. You say one false word, and you're getting killed. That said, you're announcing Monday Night Football. The, the rope is short. I mean, so you better Maybe find that chemistry quick. we got to check with Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, uh, who is – I find him to be the greatest uh, media reporter out there on Twitter right yeah, now. Yeah, he, he founds out about stuff that happens at our shop uh, before we do. So yeah, uh, so I want, yeah. he's been on our show, and his his brother's a listener, so that's cool too. We love the whole Marshawn clan. I want to see if they're still looking at this team as a as a rental until they can go get some high profile talent, or if they're getting a legit audition right now. We love that stuff. We talk about it typically in the off season, but eh, little nug there, little combo. On, a, on election day in 2020. Before we say goodbye, uh, Thursday night football. Let's turn our attention now to week nine. Here we are all the way to week nine. And we hit it's Packers at Niners on a short week, uh, obviously for both teams. And uh, we talked about the Niners plenty here and the tough situation they're in now. The schedule is 
really an uphill climb, and now they don't have their quarterback or their best player on the field. They already lost their best defensive player uh, in Nick Bosa a couple of weeks ago, uh, so the Niners are in a lot of trouble. What do you think about this game, Mark? The Packers uh, coming off a disturbing loss in, in their own right on Sunday. I think the, I mean, the biggest news item is that Corona's hit this game too, that there's, you know, Rappaport, Ian Rappaport mentioned that there's pessimism. Aaron Jones will play because of his calf injury. Uh, they don't have AJ Dillon because of a positive Corona step test, Jamal Williams and Kamal Martin, Jamal Williams, another running back is a high risk, close contact. So you've got Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams in the backfield. They have a combined 15 carries in the NFL that worries me less than if it was a Ben DiNucci being rolled in because running back hey. sometimes just to be able to kind of make it work. But again, it's another game that we're not, you know, six weeks from now, we won't look at the result and remember some of these t- positive tests, but it impacts an offense. And I think they've missed Aaron Jones a little bit. I mean, and they're certainly going to, Jamal Williams has stepped in and been pretty good, but to take them both out, I mean, that's not, they want to be able to run the ball and then you're really compromised on that front. Right. If 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 Jimmy G and Kittle were in this game, I'd pick the 49ers just because I think the matchup is so perfect against this run defense that of the Packers uh, that everyone just is is crushing pet petting for with good reason. Uh, it's a perfect matchup for Kyle Shanahan to kind of have one of those scheme games. I wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers, the zombie 49ers, still find a way to win some of these <laughs> games down the stretch. But they always he, do. <laughs> right. He can he can come up with a scheme game in in the right matchup, but. Now it's not it's not just Jimmy G. Nick Mullins is going to start. It's weird that I think losing Kittle and Debo and Debo Samuel is indeed out for this game again. You know, is bigger even than losing Jimmy G. to Mullins um, because then it's just there's not enough things. You, you also don't have Mostert and Tevin Coleman in the running game either. But there's there's just not enough things. And and you could even argue like over the course of this season, losing Bosa, Ford, and then Buckner, who they traded, has been a bigger impact on the Forty ers than any of these offensive in- injuries because they just don't have a pass rush that can scare you anymore. And you would think against Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offensive line, then that's that spells doom. And what uh, what Cal Shanahan does so much is maximize the talent, right? But when you when you use the talent, right? So there's a limit. How many reverses can Brandon Ayuk run? Uh, <laughs> and, and I really think, honestly, like, the the broken foot that Debo came back from, he came back so fast from it. Uh, yeah. We've seen other guys. We've seen Dez, uh, Sammy Watkins in the past lose whole seasons to that. I, I was surprised Debo came back. He looked a step slow. Um, so they've just they've been going through it. So it's it's hard to not pick. Uh, you know the Packers in this revenge situation against a team that just demolished them, just ran right over them. They had no answers for in the playoffs. Um, you know, if I believed in looking ahead to an opponent, uh, I guess I would call that here. I don't <laughs> think that happened. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook just dominated them. But, I mean, that's what happened to them in the playoffs. They got ran over. It's just, you know, is, is Jamichael Hasty going to run over this team to the extent that Dalvin Cook I bet it'll be close. I really bet it'll be close. I don't know what they're saying in the desert right now, but uh, – I, I it would not surprise we, me. They're saying we, we want to make money. They're saying right. we're going to tell you whatever we say that's going to make Packer, money. Packers have their problems too. They're not quite getting the same uh, juice up front from from the Smith brothers who are not brothers. Um, you know they they're they're not quite they're not a perfect team either. It, I would have I would have loved to see this game with everyone healthy. It's annoying. You know, Clay- I, you know Greg. Every Smith though is a brother on some level because at one point someone named Smith was the first Smith. It's fair. 
Well, and we're all, if you really want to look at it, especially now in this moment of time, we're all brothers. You know, we all bleed red. Hopefully. I've never felt closer to you, Dan. <laughs> well, that's all. And you know what? By the way, Claybon, you are obviously a voice of reason typically on social media with, uh, you know, things like sports cliches. Uh, but I will not be here and stand Uh-oh. down as you say that trap games don't exist. Trap games absolutely exist. And for you to casually assert that they don't minutes ago. That will not stand on this show. It, it was a it was a minute and twenty six seconds ago, and yes, trap games are not a thing. Uh, you, you play the people that you're playing against, and nobody like a ball's not in the air, and you're like, "Wow, I got Calvin Johnson next week." And then you, it's not you literal. Could it's it be the subconscious? Literal. It's a subcon in the mind. Mm-hmm. Benny Danucci is done in Texas. <laughs> that Yankee never steps foot in Jero World ever again. That happened in the luxury suite. Poor guy. That's why he's not playing. It's okay, Ben. We're back to you. back to Bay Ridge with Benny Donucci. Donucci right. should be shining the glasses. I found him a role right there. You got a job. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet he could make about 130 grand a year shining the glasses. I'll shine the glasses if that's what, what the going price is. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Patrick Claybon, you're a prince. Beard's looking very sharp as well right now. That would probably be my reaction to us doing this show in 2015 and be like, I have a beard. I can, I can do that. <laughs> That's the big takeaway. Um, yes, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, the world's going to be a little bit different or exactly the same. We shall see. Uh, but thank you uh, to everyone for listening. And um, and uh, Ricky Hollywood, uh, how are you, by the way? I've been noticing you because I could see you when you're uh, just you know producing. Yeah. You're lounging on the bed today. You're petting the dog. I, it didn't seem like you were paying that close attention, but at the same time, I know you're a woman that can multitask, so maybe you were. Yeah, I've been paying great attention. Great show. Right. That's exactly <laughs> what like, someone says when they weren't paying attention. <laughs> you guys nailed it. Good stuff. Dan Hansen signing off for Ricky Hollywood, the great Ricky. And make sure you check it out. I hope she's. you got a pinned on your profile, I'm sure. Ricky, your amazing uh, article that came out last week on NFL.com. Out and proud in the NFL. Uh, Patrick Claybon, uh, the quiet storm, the old boss. Until Thursday. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 